In part two of my conversation with Zoe Ayres, we discussed her experience transitioning from an industry-led postdoc to her current position in the water industry. We talked about the application and interviewing process and about best practices at this important stage, about what you bring to the table as a candidate when you have a PhD, and also about Zoe's experience so far as a research scientist. When I got to industry, I found that the collaboration was was great and that it's way more about the teamwork than it is about individual success. And I, I maybe naively, or I don't know, I, I really buy into that. Like, I, I really enjoy that kind of drive and the fact that, you know, we all pull together and, you know, we might have a tight industrial deadline and we're like, okay, what are we going to do and how are we going to get there and how can we break this, this down so that we get to that point? Welcome to Papa PhD with David Mendez, the podcast where we explore careers and life after grad school with guests who have walked the road less traveled and have unique stories to tell about how they made their place in a world of constantly evolving rules. Get ready to go off the beaten path and hop on for an exciting new episode of Papa PhD. So welcome to part two of my interview with Zoe Ayres. Uh, in part one, we talked about what led her to her PhD, then her postdoc, and then uh, her current position. We talked about uh, how the experience of going through the PhD was for her and uh, about why she's now advocating strongly for better mental health in, in graduate school. And uh, we also talked about the fact that universities might have to step up to the plate to take care of this uh, of this mental health situation in graduate school which the the, the numbers are are not good and uh, yes people have to find resilience within them but uh, there's also a culture that needs to be changed and uh, and resources that that need to be set up to really reduce these numbers and make the phd uh, a healthy experience for everyone but now what I, what we're going to talk about in the second part is Zoe's transition to industry. So we already said in part one that she uh, had done a PhD and a postdoc that were industry-backed, and we talked a little bit about how that worked. But eventually, Zoe, you... I don't know what came first. Did you decide, uh, okay, I'm going into industry, or did an opportunity appear that you that you jumped, uh, jumped on? I, I guess the honest answer to that is a bit of both, in the sense that... Um postdocs uh, so often have the precarity of their contracts uh, you know my contract as a postdoc was not far away uh, um, being off like due to be to be completed I'd need to apply for another postdoc maybe move somewhere else um, and also um, the fact that like I, I've been kind of browsing and looking and seeing you know, what what is out there um, and the job that I saw in the water industry came up um, and I, I started looking down the list and I was like, I don't, I don't fit all of these things, um, but I fit a, a good portion of these. And I, I remember specifically having conversations with people before about um, how particularly like women often don't apply for jobs that they don't hit 100% of the criteria of. Um, and I remember having that in my head and I was like, no, I need to apply for this job. Um, <laughs> and I did take that, that kind of leap and, you know, I was very lucky in the sense that the first job that I applied for, I actually ended up landing and it was 
you know, it ended up being a dream job for me. I really enjoy it. Um, and I've been very, very lucky that it was the right place, the right time. Uh, it also meant I didn't, it was actually local to, to where I was working. So I didn't have to move, um, which was, which was really, really Im- actually quite important for me in my, my family life. Uh, so I actually, you know, I say I, I just got instru- extraordinarily lucky and I'm really thankful that it came my way. Mm-hmm. So things worked the first time, uh, and I think it's really humanizing that you uh, state uh, th- that luck had part in it. And often, when you, when we see success uh, presented around us, we don't weigh that in, and and then we ended up saying, "Oh, I'm not as good as this person beside me." But you know, there's different, there's serendipity, there's different things that bring people to where they are. It's important to say that. But can you still, even though you know everything worked fine, you didn't have to do a, a, a dozen interviews. Can you still uh, talk a little bit about how the, the how you prepared, how the interview process was? Uh, did you have to write a cover letter? Can you just talk a little bit about that for people who, who wonder how is it, you know, how, how is it that I prepare to interview for an industry job? The main thing I can really think of that I think stood out for me was when I was writing my CV. I remember thinking, gosh, my publications aren't really relevant. For me, I tried to really reframe my experience in a way that would be appealing in the sense that it sounds maybe strange that I tried to get in the headspace of of the industry. But I think I'd also had some industrial experience as well with some of my, you know, my PhD being industrially backed and things like that. And so for my my CV, I really made sure that I was drawing on the fact that we think that when we're in the lab and we're doing a PhD and, you know, we might be looking after an undergraduate project, for example, and you can write that you supervise some undergraduates um, and you can write that as, you know, experience of that supervision and that you are capable of going into a role where you lead people. And so a lot of it was really reframing some of the academic experience that I had in a way that actually made it so that it would be applicable. Also, um, things like doing outreach or science communication as well as kind of, you know, pulling on the fact that that is really being able to communicate um, simply. And that's something that's really useful in industry. If you're if you're working with different stakeholders, getting your science across is really important. And I find that the case like regularly when I'm working with patent lawyers, you know, those guys are, are wonderful and they're great. Um, they they don't know the ins and outs of the the science like I would do because I've been doing it on a day to day basis. Um, so I think it's really kind of drawing on that kind of skill set and being like, okay, no, I do have these skills. Um, actually, getting that across. Cool. And um, I'm just curious now. So you you applied? Did, was there like first interview, second interview? How was how was the how was the process? Uh, so I mean, I I. I had an interview and I I got the you know I got the job. I mean there wasn't. I'll say <laughs> I say it was I very very say, straightforward. <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't say that there was anything um, different or unusual really with with the process. Um, I was going to ask: Did you prepare? Did you did you um, uh, did you mock interviews before? Uh, did you have someone helping you with that? Uh, I think. <laughs> Remembering back, I, I remember like talking through with friends, I think, like just talking through like and just people that were actually scientists around me and just being like, you know, do you, do you think this sounds all right? Um, 
but for me at the time I was like well I've got to apply for something and it was a case of like you know I'm just going to go in and do I actually think I prepared less than I would usually do and I think that maybe made me less stressed in the in the interview process which I know maybe doesn't it sounds a bit counterintuitive but I think sometimes for me like I'm a perfectionist and if I over prepare it can be very very wooden yeah, and then the, the overthinking <laughs> uh, starts and then yeah, they, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I had the benefit as well of the fact that like you know I, I didn't you know it was my first first application so it's not like I was like oh yeah right I've got to go in and absolutely like smash this this is um you know this is probably one of one of many so I think again it wasn't like a panic so much for me so you went in relaxed and it, it ended up working out uh now how was that like first day, first week uh, in, 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 you know, in industry, let's say the new position, how was that? And did you kind of at that time, like compare, you know, internally to the lab, to university? I'm just curious of how that changing of, 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 of environment, of uh, culture, how you lived through that, what feelings that elicited and uh, how happy you were with your new new setting uh yeah i mean i think for me uh one of the things that became apparent very early on and i think um is still the case is the high pace nature of being an in industry so um you know i had a great onboarding into the company as a very high paced um environment and i really enjoyed that um so it was a case of you know like especially with an analytical chemistry background it's like a case of get stuck in the lab get doing a few things um so for me it was very much like um you know you're going to go in and do some 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 of this research and you know, just see what you find and i've been very lucky that um i'm ver i'm allowed to have a lot of free reign over what i do and that was apparent very early on um so for me like it was quite freeing in the sense that like i get to i don't know drive in the direction that I want to um and that became I say that that freedom became very obvious very early on for me mm -hmm. um one thing I didn't ask and I should have maybe asked uh, at the outset is what position were you hired into what what is it that that you're that you're doing now what, what what's the the, the name of the position and, and was it what is it that you do in your day-to-day yeah, so I'm I'm a research scientist. So I, I prim primarily work on the research end of research and development, and I develop new analytical um, tools for the water industry, and that involves you know, working with, with researchers from all over the globe. You know, we have we have open innovation um, where we can go and speak to new people. You know, we're looking for the next the next cool thing, so to speak. So that's kind of the role. And when we were off the mic, you mentioned teamwork. You said you, you, you were talking about this culture of teamwork in industry. And it, it felt to me when we were talking that it's something that surprised you or uh, and, and it's something that you appreciate a lot. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I, and for me, um, one of the things about, about um, academia is that I, I mean, one of the things that I found quite difficult is the competitive nature of academia in general. I mean, we know from from some research that's been done that you know, a large portion of of PhDs never go on to be a professor, and there's that kind of kind of um, I don't know competition that often results in people not necessarily being collaborative, and you know making sure that they're going to be the professor one day and not you. And I I don't really work that way. Like I like to collaborate. Um, and when I got to industry, I found that the collaboration was was great, and that 
it's way more about the teamwork than it is about individual success and I I, maybe naively or I don't know I I really buy into that like I I really enjoy that kind of drive and the fact that you know we all pull together and we know we might have a tight industrial deadline and we're like okay what are we going to do and how are we going to get there and how can we break this this down so that we get to that point and uh Again, uh, just out of curiosity, in uh, do you, in in your lab, in your uh, around you know around you, are there other people with journeys that look like yours that uh, that came from PhD postdoc and are also uh, you know working in in in, uh, in your research group? I don't know how it's organized, but I'm just thinking whether you can you have like like-minded people that you you can see every day. Uh, well, not today because we're 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 uh, recording this during the the covid pandemic and people are, and you're working from home but in normal times <laughs> do you have other phd's postdocs that are around you uh, at at work too so um like my my team is made up of people like primarily that do have phd's um but i also have some amazing research assistants that are undergraduate university trained um and yeah I get to get to work with them and they're fantastic. Um, so we have a real range of people from different backgrounds and different areas of expertise to kind of cover the whole kind of analytical and research area. I just want to take a moment before going on with the interview to let you know that you can help me end the show by leaving a star rating and a comment on your podcasting app. If you're not on Apple Podcasts, you can now leave your rating and review by visiting papaphd.com forward slash podchaser. If you want to go a step further, go to patreon.com slash papaphd now and become a supporter. For the equivalent of a coffee per month, you'll be helping me immensely with the recurring costs of hosting and producing the show. Again, thank you for being a true fan. One thing that sometimes you hear uh, is that, oh, if you go to industry, um, you you know your creativity is something you won't be asked to use anymore. Uh, your your or your intellect won't be as challenged as it would have been in in academia. And again, from our conversation, uh, I seem to have understood that uh, your experience is is opposite to this. Yeah. Um, so I remember, you know, I guess I've talked kind of a little bit about my transition to industry and I, I guess it sounded relatively simple, but from a kind of, I don't know, kind of mental boxing match, so to speak, of like, you know, should I go do this or not? Um, you know, it's, I I think I, I would have made a good professor. I think there's something that I would have liked to have pursued. And so I had to kind of make this de- decision between the academic track and industry um, I like to think that it's not necessarily so separate that I could never go back, but you know you don't hear of that often. And one of the things I remember being asked uh, or someone saying to me is that you will not be creative like you are here in academia. And I remember thinking like I actually really enjoy being creative. Um, and you know is that something that I'm going to lose? Because even though I had industrially kind of sponsored you know PhD. Um, research and postdoc research it was primarily academic um, and so I kind of toyed with the concept of whether or not I'd actually have the freedoms to do what I wanted to do and I say I think it probably varies company by company but I've been very very lucky that I have the creative freedom um, that I do um, and that I every day I get into work and I actually enjoy doing the research and that I, I don't know like 
does get me out of bed in the morning. So I think that's a good <laughs> thing. And you mentioned also, tell me if I'm, I'm uh, recalling right, that you have discussions with other groups. So uh, I guess, you know, in that sense, there's also this aspect of uh, like brainstorming and, uh, and uh, finding, and, you know, again, finding new things or new solutions for problems that, that uh, the company is finding. Uh, so do you agree? Do you think uh, this is a, also something that motivates you and, and that people that are thinking of maybe going into industry that they might look forward to? Yeah, I mean, for me, like I'm a, I'm a, a real people person. I like to go speak to people. And so a nice aspect of this job is that I get to go to conferences and I get to go speak to other research groups and things like that and really kind of understand you. Enjoy geeking out a little bit about other people's science as well. Um, and so I, I kind of get to see that and I don't necessarily have to go through some of those perils of that research. I get to get to use the you know, and enjoy some of, some of the the good science that's out there. So, cool. And uh, something that I just came to my mind is the, is uh, there any sort of uh, of collaboration with universities at the company you're working in, or not at all? Because sometimes yeah. that's also interesting. There's companies that have that have uh, interf that interface with universities too. Yeah, I think I think um, you know. It, where if there's new research we'll look wherever you know if it's a university level or whether it's you know, much further down the line i think new research you kind of have to be open to that something something that someone who is wondering about uh, the 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 career in industry they might be wondering how much am i going to make and i'm not going to ask that question but <laughs> how happy am i going to be with what i achieve how can my career evolve uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, the, the career path once you're, you have entered. So you've entered uh, to, to a certain position. Uh, I, you know, I imagine there's some sort of evolution uh, and you talked about onboarding. What happens after you're in your job and, and then you have your first year, second year? How do things evolve? How can people project themselves into five years, 10 years in industry? And I know you're not there yet, but... <laughs> You you um, you may have people around you that have that have I mean, done this. From from what what I've seen that you know there's there's clear trajectories that are available for people. You know, for for example, for myself, it it, it doesn't it, it. I would expect at some point to move towards being a senior scientist, for example. Um, you know, at the moment, I've already started having a team of people that work you know for and with me, um, and so I'm taking on. The responsibility of not just managing my own time and then managing a team and so like I think there's been a natural kind of um, progression of responsibility and you know that sort of more management style um, kind of duties that I have rather than you know just being a scientist that goes into the lab every day and you know I'm not really thinking about the grand scheme of things so I have to do a lot more project planning um, And then, like overall, like you know, in, industry-wise, I think you know, you have end-of-year reviews and things like that that get you through, and you know your performance is managed, and then you know, whether or not you're performing well or not. Um, and again, like with with a heavy emphasis on teamwork, um, you then you know you can move up the scale that way. So I imagine you also have things because in the position you're you're working in you know to to find what skills you've brought from your academic uh, uh training to today it's pretty clear now my question is it's like the flip side is what have you learned what do you feel you've learned uh you know 
from these two years that you either didn't expect or that you find is is really cool is a uh, is is and is really different from what you had experienced uh, in, in academia i guess for for me the the one thing that i've found has been really impressive is like the cohesiveness of all the different divisions so you've got like um you've got research you've also got development you've also got the product team you know, you've you've got all of these different people working together ultimately to to make products um that will be useful for people to use and um like all those people together like coming together as one to actually make some amazing stuff um mm. is pretty impressive no that's that's definitely one one very cool thing and it's something that w once you see these projects these products you don't imagine all the the collaboration and the people pushing okay there's this deadline we need to you know Uh, promotion team go uh, <laughs> marketing team go etc etc it's a it's a huge common effort and and i imagine that once that once something launches a product or something it must be a very very good feeling for everyone hey, uh, if things i ever work on um you know go all the way through then i'm going to be there sticking those stickers onto those boxes at the, at the end <laughs> <laughs> oh. very very cool zoe i think we gave a, a you gave a very a very nice snapshot of of what uh, your experience has been so far. Now, I want to ask you, you know, if you're either thinking of you uh, during your PhD or during a postdoc or people who are in, the, in those uh, places in life where they're thinking, okay, should I, should I do a postdoc? Uh, should I straight away try to find a job? Um, you know, and, and you have shared that You had it easy in a certain sense finding a job because things just worked the, the first time and you you found your dream job. It's it's kind of a winning a lottery. But for people who are doubtful or even people who are who are thinking, should I go into a PhD? Like, am I gonna have a job after that? Can you share like two or three pieces of advice on how to prepare, on how to uh, maybe adapt your mindset to allow yourself to believe that there's a, there's a future for you out there uh, and uh, that that'll keep you fulfilled that will keep you uh, intellectually stimulated and that will give you possibility to have creativity which is i think something you said that was important to you but i think for anyone starting in, onto a phd i think all of us like to like this idea of creating something brand new so if you if you have some advice to share uh, this would be this would be the time I think um, one of the primary things for me, which I think has been applicable to both academia and industry, is to kind of fight the competitive nature of academia. And if you can collaborate, I think that that's the sort of thing that will get that serve you well in both both avenues. Um, for me, like I, you know, I've worked on numerous academic papers with wonderful teams of people, and I don't think those um, publications would have been the way they were if I hadn't collaborated like you know people people have different skills and I think it's okay to just be like I'm not good at all of these things but I do know this really great person that that can do this aspect of it and I think that kind of mentality applies very directly over to industry as well in the sense that because of the the deadlines and because of the drive you know to to be as you know you've got to get through and and ultimately make a product I think actually being able to trust and believe in the people around you um, and actually work together is something that I think is 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 a skill set that's valuable 
um, going forward. I definitely think that a PhD level actually sets you up for that. Um, as long as you're as long as you're willing to look around and say, hey, you know, maybe we should be working on something together. What about uh, in terms of cultivating uh, kind of a, a sense of self worth and uh, good good um, let's let's say mental hygiene habits to to allow you to thrive and to to um, you know to find fulfillment in whatever you do even if the, if you fail at, at certain stages for me actually i mean, i've talked so much about work on here i think um like actually finding some other things um particularly when you're doing your phd and also at work like finding other things that you find value in about yourself like i i finding things like sport and other things to do for me was was really was something that got me through um and you know something that i wouldn't take out of my schedule now i think actually establishing a work life balance um which can be really hard to do um but like i i'm going to say that i very rarely worked weekends during my phd i was very lucky with that um i had to establish that boundary very quickly because i needed downtime um and i had to just turn around and say i i i i can't do that um and i think not everyone has that choice i think people find themselves in situations where they can't say that i was very lucky that i could um but that's something that i've taken through as well um in the sense that you know finding my identity outside of my work has been so much better for me in terms of things like imposter syndrome and other things like that i can be like okay well here are these other things that i enjoy and here are these other things that you know i'm good at um and it doesn't always have to be about being good at something you can be rubbish at a hobby and really enjoy it and that's fine excellent Th those are two great pieces of advice and um just to to uh, uh reiterate what you just said uh, some activity physical activity is very good and it's well known Uh, but uh, anything that, that takes your mind off whatever is not working <laughs> at the time. And we all know like PhDs are a lump of things that don't work and then a few things that work and then you <laughs> end up publishing. And uh, so so for sure, like having being on a, in a sports club or whatever, I, I totally agree. Zoe, th those are, are very, very, this is very, very good advice. The last thing that I would ask you is if people want to reach out to you, uh you know they they want to ask you about the posters etc how how what's the best way to reach out so i've got a contact form on my website which people can contact me through um and also if you find me on twitter then you can direct message me on there mm -hmm. your handle on twitter is at z j a y r e s with my awkward last name <laughs> um but yeah so yeah z j s perfect Zoe, I had a great time uh, talking with you. I kind of imagine you in the lab uh, where you work today, and it felt like it's it's a very positive uh, place for you, a very good place for you. And uh, I think this is one thing that uh, that one stigma or one preconception that that uh, that should be broken that oh, industry is gray and drab. And uh, I, I think that your testimony was was clear on that. Thank you so much for having accepted my invitation and uh, for being on Papa PhD, and uh, and all the best for your for your burgeoning career uh, in industry. Let's see where it takes you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> and also kudos for still, you know, uh, now being, you know, departed like two three years departed from your your academic track, uh, still 
being uh, keeping close to your heart the, the 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 question of mental health in uh, in academia and in graduate school and in doing all the work with the the, the posters I, I think it's it's a great thing and i hope uh, a, a lot of people out there find that resource and that it, it uh, and because i i i believe that it'll help them for sure thank you so much for having me on if you enjoyed the insights shared on the show each week and would like to dig deeper into some of the subjects covered you can now join the Papa PhD Postgraduate Career Exploration Group on Facebook. There, you will find like-minded listeners, but also a few of the past guests who will be taking part in the conversation. So, to start a conversation, just go to facebook.com forward slash PapaPhD and ask to join. And if the show has helped you in any way and you'd like to contribute, join the Papa PhD Patreon at patreon.com forward slash PapaPhD and become a monthly supporter. You will be helping me continue to interview interesting guests and to bring you stories that will help you in your career journey. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Papa PhD podcast. Head over to papaphd.com for show notes and for more food for thought about non-academic postgrad careers. I'll always be happy to share inspiring stories, new ideas and useful resources here on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to always keep up with the discussion and to hear from our latest guests. 